Hi and welcome to the Homeopathy Health Show. I'm Atik Ahmadbati, a fourth generation homeopath with over 25 years of professional experience and practice in this field of healing. The Homeopathy Health Show is the online voice of homeopathy around the world, promoting and raising awareness of this truly unique system of healing, which is suitable for all ages, young and old. Every week I invite guests from the world of homeopathy to come and share their experiences, their work, offer insights and essentially talk all things homeopathy. Why not visit www.liketreatslike.co.uk and click on the radio and podcast button to listen to the latest episodes. So let's begin today's show here on UK Health Radio, the world's number one talk health radio. Hi and welcome to another episode of the Homeopathy Health Show here on UK Health Radio. And I do hope you've had a pleasant week. Now, I'm really delighted and honoured to welcome Crystal uh, Scaling Klopstock to today's Homeopathy Health Show. She is the Chief Executive for Homeopathy UK. She's also an Honorary Fellow of the Faculty of Homeopathy and has done a great deal as far as promoting homeopathy and making it accessible to all. And um, it's going to be a fascinating conversation. I'm really looking forward to it, actually. So, uh, Crystal, um, a virtual hug and welcome to the Homeopathy Health Show. Thank you so very much for taking time out to speak to me. It's a delight and a pleasure. And I was so enthused to be invited, Attic, because um, you're doing such great work um, off your own bat to do things that are really close to my heart, which are is promotion of homeopathy and talking about it all all over, not just the UK, but the world. So I'm really pleased to share some of what I do with you. It's going to be fantastic. Oh, thank you so much. Very kind words indeed. So you have, um, should I say, a, a plethora of experience. Um, but let's start actually with... Um, you you mention in your in the bio actually and and in your sort of backstory that uh, you worked for six years uh, at a teaching hospital in Northern California, which at that time employed over three thousand people, and that the roles there were around medical uh, education and development and fundraising. So, how was that experience for you um, working in a hospital in that capacity? Um, that was at the start of my career. So after I had finished my university studies, which were in international relations. And over that time, I also got an MBA in international relations, MBA, Masters in Business Association, that focused on health. And the hospital was an amazing place to learn about business, healthcare, about um, internal politics. I got to work for the chief financial officer and work with the higher levels of the hospital, understanding some of the key things that they had to worry about. And so I was in a very nice, interesting position, even though I was on the beginning of my career path. And it was my introduction to working for a nonprofit. And I felt that is one of the key things that has, you know, kept me going is that I work for something that makes a true difference, that is doing something that's altruistic in many ways and will help people without it being about how many stocks are you going to sell? How much profits are you going to make for the stockholders? It is about doing something good. And 
I took that kind of ethos when I went looking for a job when I came here to the UK. It's interesting, isn't it? You mentioned about um, helping and doing something that gives back to society and, and to humanity um, at large. And it's an interesting thing to experience, isn't it? Because homeopaths, as you very well know, um, are self-employed. And uh, or they're employed if if it's part of India, for example, if it's in parts of India, for example, they're employed in a hospital, but they're still technically self-employed, and it's such you have to um, experience it to to sort of appreciate what I'm going to say next, which is that feeling of really having done. And I say this in the humblest uh, to, uh, in the humblest way, of course, is that, but you you do feel. Um, uh content i suppose is the word you know that at least you're trying to give back at least you're trying to help i know it's not it's not easy and it's uh difficult at times and it's easy to say it but to be able to be self-employed or be able to do any <clears throat> type of work which where you can actually give back to society which really makes a difference can be so so rewarding and along the way you can help to change people's lives for the better and, and how good is that i mean it's it's a really lovely place to be and i i don't know how people you know you can see you can see some of this when you hear these stories about people that work in um big banks and in investment or doing things and make huge amounts of money they they parachute out at 35 because where you get on a train of just constantly trying to make more and more money for for what purpose is that enriching your life or anybody else's life in a meaningful way. And I I feel very lucky that I was able to have that early on. And I think homeopathy is particularly fantastic and the practitioners that, you know, are, are working slaving, you know, over the repertory, trying to get the right remedy for the right patient and 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 working so hard to make a really meaningful difference in their that person, that person has come to see them, their life. And I, I think it's just fantastic. And that's why the people I work with, I find just so fantastic. I feel very fortunate with a group of people. They're very thoughtful, empathetic people, surprisingly, or not surprisingly, as you would say. <laughs> it's wonderful, isn't it? And, and like you said, you know, the people that you work with and this whole big community of, you know, uh, homeopaths around the world are like one big family we are a community and we are a community who who really want to serve humanity through homeopathy by helping people get better because uh, you mentioned you know money it's not about the money in homeopathy we we know that certainly <laughs> we <all> know <laughs> I, was that. Say, I think we know full well what's <laughs> yeah. it's it's not about that you know yeah. i don't think i've ever met a homeopathic millionaire you know yeah so it's about giving back and it's about caring and it's about uh, compassion and and you know showing or helping giving a, a helping hand or a shoulder to somebody and then to help them on a journey to recovery and it's such a beautiful place to be in and and the like-minded individuals this whole beautiful amazing community of homeopaths around the world mm. we all share this one goal that yes. we're serving humanity through homeopathy whichever modality within the umbrella we choose yes. to to use you know and, uh... oh, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, I think that is the wonderful thing that people that practice homeopathy, when they get past any kind of small differences, they actually, there's a huge, so much they have in common that it's hard not to be working together for, for the betterment of homeopathy, really, and to get more people 
seen and wanting to see a, a homeopath. So it keeps me going in my job, definitely. Which actually does take us on to Homeopathy uh, UK. Now, you say that you were uh, appointed CEO of the Faculty of Homeopathy uh, and the British Homeopathic Association. We know now that the British Homeopathic Association, the BHA, is now called Homeopathy UK. And this, uh, you were very um, instrumental in restructuring this, and you have now become a full-time CEO of just Homeopathy UK. Yeah. So do tell us, um, for the listeners around the world, about Homeopathy UK and what it stands for and its objectives and, and aims as such. Well, I mean, uh, the BHA, or the British Homeopathic Association, when it became Homeopathy UK, nothing changed meaningfully besides how it um, interacts with the public to make it very obvious it's a charity but our our we've been a charity for since 1902 if you can believe that and have been kept going because of grateful patients that that have you know stood by us stood by homeopathy and kept us going through through you know over 100 years of 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 charity we are the leading uk uh, charity for the promotion um and of of homeopathy within the uk we do that through funding education, um, through clinics, promoting access and enabling access to homeopathy for those that are, you know, couldn't afford it otherwise. We do a lot with grants and we give grants to various different things for previously, previously some research. And now we have several grant funded clinics that to help fund those clinics that were already in neighborhoods that actually needed some additional funding. Um, and to help some projects where we think there's going to be more opportunity for more homeopaths to get practice, get clinical experience, to grow the grouping of of homeopaths we have in the UK. And obviously, we're the we try to be the advocates of of patients that use homeopathy. So when there's government policies that go out, and luckily right now it's kind of quiet on the whole homeopathy policy front. But for a while there, a lot of my job was managing dealing with media queries, government policies, ASA inquiries, and and trying to put the homeopathic patient face on things and be the voice for those people that depend on homeopathy and the future patients that will be needing and wanting homeopathy. So we are driven to try to make sure that everybody in the UK has access to high quality homeopathic care and it's and it's easily accessible and affordable. And that is a vision that we have that we want to, you know, the whole UK to to have. Will we get there? I hope so, eventually. Different policies that have come through over the years, it has been a bit of a challenge. But I do think, I don't know what you think, Attic, but I do think that right now there's a big kind of change that just growing in, in the background, which is there's more demand for natural healthcare um, solutions by all generations, more people taking active role in managing their healthcare. And for me, and, and looking at the globe and sustainability and natural ways of managing your health, homeopathy is should be and is on the up. More people are wanting it. And now we need to, you know, build up on that and get more people trained up to be homeopaths and see this as a real big opportunity, which it is, which it is, to really make homeopathy the forefront you know, go to medicine instead of the last option, which sometimes can be the case, which is unfortunate. Uh, yeah, you're you're absolutely right when you say um, 
there's an uptake and and everyone I speak to and, and as you know just like yourself of course uh, probably actually you speak to more than me but I speak to hundreds of people every month around the world you know homeopaths students home prescribers anybody and everybody who loves homeopathy or has used homeopathy and they all share this the, the vibe is all the same that there is the genuine interest in homeopathy very much so now and it's beginning to really grab people's attention and and that's just brilliant and we're not saying it's homeopathy or the highway but at least it's giving that empowerment to especially people at home for example a home prescriber where everyday ailments can be so uh, easily treatable if they're acute of course mm. and then on the other side you've also got access to you know practitioners who have experience in treating mental health conditions and, and autoimmune conditions through mm. homeopathy and that's a really good place to be because it's that access is so important and the fact that people are now acknowledging mm. other systems of health care yeah that's a good thing right because you've got choice and choices are not a bad thing choice is a good thing yes well definitely i think i think more especially the younger generation that are coming up and will become the the people deciding policies and doing making choices about our futures they are far more tuned into what what we feel what are the key issues around the the planet and also I don't believe everything everybody tells me is you, you can tell. I mean, I, I have a teenage daughter and her way of finding information is completely different than anybody I know that's, you know, past past 40, 50 years old. Um, their way of, of, of assessing information and looking at things is far different than we we do. And they really are, are not as trusting, which is a good thing, because we need to be asking questions, which previously actually I don't think that a lot of that was happening and people trusted governments and trusted their doctor and trusted people to always know the answer to something when actually now things are at your fingertips and even more so now with AI, you can filter and ask questions that can get you some really powerful answers and powerful information. I think that's, you know, um, it's so, so important though that, and I'm, and I'm grateful that we're in this position now because it's good to ask questions why not that's the best way of learning it's good to ask why how when and like you've said you know with uh, an example of your teenage daughter but the same with me and the the way that they get their information and it's not just uh like um you must have heard the old english saying you know don't believe what you read in the papers yes <laughs> and they you know they're able to the next generation are, are so advanced i have to say because they're so quick with being able to read multiple different uh, stories on the same on a similar topic or the same subject matter but be able to then make a decision based on you know 10 20 different types of articles and that's really important because it it gets you to think and it, be, it helps you to become independent and it helps you to be to be uh, almost to train your brain so that you're aware all the time and are able to ask questions because that of course opens you up to uh, being able to understand things better mm. and be more aware of your surroundings at all times and i don't mean surroundings as in literally around you but the world at large yes, you know world. politics and and the climate crisis and and everything yes. else yes yeah no i mean the, the all of the con contextual things that go into our everyday life i i agree it is it is a real um eye-opener to see how we could 
we how things are going to be evaluated by a different a different generation and that what we think is the stasis of things is actually always in in movement and always under change and that sometimes is a can be unsettling but also it is also a positive thing in many ways and i think we all have to look at those things as actual opportunities particularly i think for homeopathy i think it's a real opportunity for homeopathy and i can see there's a lot of homeopaths out there taking that by the reins which really makes me happy because for a long time i felt that there wasn't a lot of um, confidence and some people didn't feel confident talking about what they do and i'm now seeing uh, this kind of revitalization of homeopaths talking about what they do with real passion and gusto out in the public domain, which things like what you're doing feed into that, which only just builds the interest and enthusiasm of people going up. I want to go see Attic because I want to see if I have a health problem, I want to see, you know, I want to see somebody like Attic or, or somebody else that you might've had on your show. Uh, I mean, I, I, this will be the way forward, and it's really, it's really positive for me to see that as we as we're going through the past several years. I think. By the way, that has actually happened many times now. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. I say that very humbly, but it's it's also very rewarding because uh, you know sometimes people do call and they say, "Oh, we heard your podcast, and can you help us?" And of course, of course, I can. I can do my best to try to help you. You know, but. It's um, it's it, what you've said is is so so important because we're at that stage now that certainly I found that people are very uh, open and very confident promoting homeopathy, talking about homeopathy. Where I was when this show started is very different now to where it is now, and mm. you know it's full on promotion at all times uh, through social media, through the show, of course, podcast platforms by talking to people, by giving workshops and lectures and, yeah. and everything else that goes with it. And like you've so eloquently said, you know, it's um, it's that community of homeopaths, it's creating this buzz. And I think that's so, so important where different people are doing different things around the world and it's lifting uh, the, the, the status of homeopathy. And yeah. that ties in with uh, actually, um, you've heard of the film Introducing Homeopathy, and, you know, that's also something, that's a big deal. It's the first time where homeopathy is being, is being presented on screen in a cinematic experience, yes, for want of yes. a better word, you know? Yes, yeah. that this is what homeopathy is. These are the case studies. These are the examples. This is the research. And it's bringing homeopathy to the doorstep, or it's going to certainly do that. And it's mm. making it tangible. It's, oh, you know, yeah. you can touch it. You can feel it. You can, uh, you, you can put it into perspective and you can sort of think, oh, wow, this is really something I should try rather than say, I don't know anything about it, you know? Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, I think a huge bit of work that has gone on over my tenure is working on communications and building building up those that, that knowledge base to hopefully get people and practitioners to speak. And as well is is just being confident for patients so that they, they can feel happy t sharing their experiences. Now, not everybody wants to share what they had health-wise wrong with them and because they might that's personal to them but a lot of people are very happy to share these great experiences they have with homeopaths and you know we're trying to get that when we when we speak with people that use our clinics or if we get somebody who just joined us do you can you share your experience it's really the most powerful referral you can possibly get and um 
powerful on, online as well. I mean, we have something like 200,000, 300,000 users, unique users a, a year on our website. Um, and a lot of that is about the conditions and people talking about their conditions and their stories that where people first go on the site to get information. And, and so it just reaffirms that that need to have that kind of great information, that interaction, personal, personal experience is always best, isn't it? Mm. Just like one-to-one conversation like we're having today. It's always the best way of of people finding out about homeopathy and 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 giving it a go. So, yeah. Now, Crystal, you're alongside being chief executive of Homeopathy UK, as if that wasn't enough. Um, you are also a council member for the European Committee for Homeopathy, and also a steering committee member for the People's Declaration for Traditional, Complementary and Integrated Healthcare. And it doesn't just stop there. <laughs> you were the chair. You were the chair from 2011 to 2022 for For Homeopathy, which is a sector-wide coalition in the UK for the promotion and defence of homeopathy. I do like that, you know, the defence of homeopathy. This is a very, it, it, very nice ring to that. You know? <laughs> So tell me about um, the work of the, how you're involved as far as um, the ECH is concerned, representing uh, patients. Sure. Um, so some of those, I have the the honor of being part of, well, part of the other bit on there is the European uh, Homeopathic Patients uh, Association. Um, and that federation is, I'm co-president and via that that bit, representing patients and being there, um, I sit with the European Committee of Homeopathy, and that's the doctors' organization for doctors that practice homeopathy in Europe. Uh, and the members of that organization are different uh, organization member organizations, like the Faculty of UK, the Faculty of Homeopathy in the UK, um, are members of the ECH, for example. I sit there as a patient giving advice uh, a lot of times about things that have to do with you need to engage patients more. A lot of a lot of the the issues that has happened in, historically is that there's a great divide between what they feel a, a patient relationship and, and engaging patients and how to do that in a professional manner. And I understand that conflict. You want to keep a professional very, but you also want to encourage them to be be more involved in, in things, especially when you're under attack in a certain country uh, by your government saying we're going to withdraw complementary care or homeopathy from, from the health service. Um, and uh, patient um, associations are a great way to enable that by just saying, giving some a magazine and, 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 and as they leave the door and letting them know that there actually is an advocacy group if they want to be part of it. Um, so I've been doing work with them about that. I've also been really pushing for media training, better understanding of how to communicate within the media, because we all we all think we're probably pretty good at doing that until you go to through media training and realize, wow, I am not good at that. <laughs> Nobody mm. is good at that, <laughs> except for politicians that have been gone through the ringer many times and understand the process. Uh, it's very hard because it's not like you and me having um, a fairly relaxed kind of conversation. It is you have a message to give out. That person wants to ask you some questions. You need to stay on your message. And it's hard if you're used to just answering the question. So, you know, getting this 
this ability to actually say, here's my message and here's how I want to say it and not, not getting diverted by other things and understanding what your audience wants. And the audience often doesn't want to know anything about RCTs, doesn't know what RCTs are or meta-analysis or other kinds of research that may mean a lot to you, <laughs> but but actually you need to know who you're talking to. So a lot of work I've done is actually trying to make people understand, you know, by saying something simply doesn't mean that you're dumbing something down or making yourself look less intelligent. Actually, it takes a very smart person to distill down into really understandable points what you're doing and, and how it can do something meaningful for you or help you. Um, and that's been an ongoing process. But those are the things I bring to the council and just vocalizing what I feel is needed from patients and how they should be engaging with patients. Um, but it's a great, great group of people, again, all trying to do their best with minimal budgets and, you know, a, a lot of intelligent, really gifted people. Hmm. And I was, if we move on to the People's Declaration, that has been an amazing um, group of people to be involved with to do this People's Declaration, where we've gotten 300 different organizations across the, the globe to hmm. sign up to. Um, and uh, thousands of individuals. Um, but because of that global reach, we were asked to do some things with the World Health Organization, which was a, an amazing opportunity to talk about what do patients want? We want an integrated healthcare system where we have easy access to those therapies that we should be able to get, which include homeopathy, any type of traditional medicine, whatever in your culture and your area you should be having access to, it should be something that's just part and parcel of your healthcare. So I was able to speak briefly to that at the CSO dialogues that the, the WHO had. And because of that, we were invited to the summit in Gujarat, which was a, an amazing first large step by the WHO to say we want to integrate traditional medicine and homeopathy is part of what they consider traditional medicine. We want that integrated into conventional healthcare to realize our, our their objective of better health for, for the whole world. And it was a very important step, but of course, WHO is a massive organization. These are some, these are big meaningful steps. And now it's about trying to make them accountable and trying to engage with them to get dialogues within nations to actually have some meaningful change, which is a great, again, a really nice platform for us to all be on at the moment, because before they wouldn't, they weren't giving anybody any looks in, I don't think so. Well, congratulations on that. That's actually very inspiring as well. And uh, the fact that it's achieved something is is even greater, you know, that's so, so good. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not, it was down to lots of lots of things going on. So I think with everything, we all put in a lot of work to do things. And sometimes we're very fortunate timing wise or mm. how things have worked out. But um, uh, I, it, it's been an interesting experience dealing, going to WHO and seeing some of the internal workings there um, with their different departments. And it will be an ongoing learning experience, I'm I'm hoping. I was going to ask you, just as you were saying that, I was thinking that 
One of my guests, uh, uh, Jock Gaudet Kathiasa, who was from, he's a Balinese homeopath, Balinese Australian homeopath. And he was saying that in Indonesia, 95% of the population grow up with natural medicine. And it's a no-brainer, literally. Mm -hmm. And, of course, they have access, of course, to other conventional healthcare as well. And then we see in India, and you've been to Gujarat, you mentioned, um, we see that there's clinics and doctors at every corner of the street, literally, there's homeopathic hospitals, and it's very integrated. But then in the West... It's so so different, isn't it? In in India, you're seeing, for example, fifty or upwards of fifty hundred patients a day, literally. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And here, it's it's very 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 different. In the West, yeah. we know. Where do you see that? Um, I mean, it, will that time come where in the West there will be access? Not, I can't say it's similar because it would take years and years. But you know, something within the next decade where it'll be easier to access complementary or alternative or whatever you, you know you 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 term it as um yeah. uh, systems of healthcare or modalities yeah i mean i personally think that if you see the pol- political spectrum we have we have as you said rightly europe is way behind and and in the states various different states and things in the united states far behind on integration models of of healthcare other places far, far away are, are ahead of us. Hmm. The India and China have the biggest populations in the world. They use and integrate a large number of different kind of therapies and, and approaches in their health systems and get very good results for, you know, a, a lot less of an investment per, per capita. Um, and they are pushing that they want these therapies available and and as part of national systems across the globe um and that will put pressure on other other governments over time but i i fail to see how any good healthcare system would not learn from other systems saying here's a here's a population and how are they managing the healthcare of 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 people so so well and why are they healthy with less Spent. I mean, the Americans are a, a, a whole other spectrum where they're having decreasing outcomes on health based on increased investment, investment far over anybody else in the whole world. There has to be a reckoning here of people going how this isn't working. We're not this. The healthcare system, as we see it, needs to evolve and change. Look mm. at those systems over there. So I do think that there's possibilities. And I think. In the UK, perhaps you need to have little startup developments that are run through the NHS or outside the NHS with some some people that have contracts with with you know some NHS facilities. And what you would see is that they will see that there is something positive going on, and can we integrate that into some other you know GP surgeries or local lo- local provision? I think a large problem is. A lot of stuff that's been put into hospitals often don't don't need to be in hospitals and be much better in the community if they would be about. And wouldn't it be fantastic if you went into the community, your community GP or a community center, and you said, "Oh, I'm I'm having this issue." The homeopath would go, "Okay, well, I can deal with that today." And da da da. Mm-hmm. And you know, the person that needs to do the cervical smear to do the test or what have you, they will be going over to that area to do that with those people. It would be a fantastic, a fantastic thing. And if it's done, done well, people can't 
not take it up. But, you know, sometimes people are really stupid and governments can be very stupid. Um, but I feel that the way the systems are kind of crunching, I mean, they're collapsing on themselves. Do we not see that health mm. systems are? That that leads me to the thought that when things get that bad, you start going, okay, things we need to do something really different. And let's look at some other models and stop looking at India or China as, I mean, they are they are very developed countries. They're not, and they're providing a high level of let's let's look at them. So I don't I wonder, I mean, do you feel the same way or do you feel a bit differently? How are you feeling negative or positive today? No. I, I'm feeling that um I, I echo what you've just said, which is for the sake of the well-being of the population, it's very important to look at the models that other countries are following who are successful with healthcare. Mm. India, you've mentioned China. I mean, they've integrated different modalities and it's working. And, you know, you said something really, really interesting where, you know, the NHS a center could have a homeopath, a chiropractor, and it's like a, it's, it's not a holistic, you don't have to term it anything. It's just a health okay. clinic, <laughs> yeah. you know, is access to health. And, but it, at least it gives you the patient, the, the choice. And why can we not work together? Why can a GP or a consultant not work with a homeopathic practitioner or um, uh, someone who a chiropractor or, or any modality, someone who practices uh, TCM and and so on and so forth. Yeah. Why not? I don't understand. Actually, I've never understood where because the objective is, according to the Hippocratic Oath, you'll do no harm. You'll you'll heal the patient, right? Oh, oh, that's yes. the ultimate goal. So then everything's on the same hymn sheet, literally. Well, exactly. Well, I mean, the NHS always has spouted on the thing about patients first, patients choice. You know, and I ha I've had to live through a huge amount of that not being the case. And we advocating and, you mm. know, actually challenging them robustly about decisions that they've made that were not in the patient nor the NHS's better, you know, betterment financially or for the health of the people involved, which is the paramount thing is the health of the your customers, your the people that you're supposed to be serving. It's um, it's it's fairly gobsmacking in many ways because i agree with you it's like how is this not possible you'd get much better outcomes people would be far happy with the care that they get and yet it just somehow never seems to appear you know even with good intentions and people doing certain things but things will change it's not not to give up it's actually to say how do we how do we make that possible and how do we change those minds and i think things do change and like i said i think things are shifting quite a bit and does homeopathy uk have quite um um a relationship with the nhs as far as this specific element of integration not necessarily for homeopathy of course but generally the model has to be there and then one can think of the modalities right oh yeah i mean you could you could do no i have with the nhs i haven't had meaningful interaction with the nhs because they basically see the word homeopathy and run scared for some reason um which which is which is unfortunate um i think integration of if if a, something was launched that and i obviously have tried to liaise with different organizations and and i think finding a good mix of people it will be that there's going to be some people that somehow will manifest and do something great together because i know there's a lot of people out there including doctors and other health professionals 
that would like to have complementary medicine, any types of therapies integrated because they use it and they find it beneficial. They know that it's far less intrusive, far less, less likely to cause, you know, adverse reactions or serious damage. So I think there's a lot to be said, and especially in particularly um, with with women who are pregnant and childbirth and with midwives, I think there's a real opportunity there. We've tried many times to do certain things. And like I said, doesn't mean you give up doing it. It's just that it doesn't, if it didn't work the first time, what are we going to try to do a different time? And we'll, and the context and the environment will change eventually. I mean, one of our big things is we have charitable clinics that we run throughout the UK. We have, we have nine that we fund and, that we fund and run directly. And then we have another several that we grant fund like four other ones. Um, and that's because the NHS had made the decision to defund homeopathy and make it much more difficult to get it on the NHS. So we decided that we would invest money that we had grow a network of clinics so that people could have access at free at the point of service if they can donate, but they can also go free of free of charge and have an experience and have a homeopathic consultation because there's there there's nothing now really accessible throughout the UK. Before there was some access through the NHS, but not very not very much. And now it's very small. There's just in the basically in Scotland, and if you're lucky, you can get a referral to the Royal London Hospital for Integrated Medicine you may be uh, fortunate enough to get a homeopathic practitioner. It's it's very inspiring to know that uh, about the charitable clinics. Uh, do do share where where's an example of where one is and, and how that works and, and sure. the access. Oh, that would be really, really nice to share. Um, our very first clinic was in Norwich. And so we looked and found a practitioner to do something. And that's been going since, I think, 2014, October 2014. And what we run is because we're very aware of the challenges to practice as a homeopath and to earn a living and be be in practice, the clinics are only run, it's not every day, it's actually only a few hours um, every month. So it's usually two two clinics per, per month and each clinic is a three-hour session. So hmm. in those three-hour sessions, we usually have an initial consultation and a few follow-ups. And if if you have more follow ups, then obviously you can fit more follow ups in that times times space. And we with that, we found that we had really great feedback. We had real engagement. The practitioner loved. I mean, absolutely loves doing the clinics. There are people that really want to try something and and have this opportunity to access homeopathy, so they do so. And because of that, then we grow grew that offering. And we've been very fortunate. We've had some homeopathic uh, uh, organizations that are grant funders help in their region to help fund some clinics. So uh, there's the SHRET, which is the Scottish um, Homeopathic Research and Education Trust. They help to fund the clinics that we have in Scotland. We also have the Northwest Friends who help uh, do the Liverpool Clinic, which is which is a very popular clinic. And I love answering the phone when a patient calls me up asking a question because I love that the Liverpool accent Um, (laughs) and um, and then we have um, the Blackie Foundation Trust who gives us a grant fund to just help with all of the clinics and and we also are trying to integrate more education into the clinic so that we have an opportunity for those that are at their advanced stage in their homeopathic training to observe clinic or to be or to provide clinic and and to ask questions 
of the practitioners so they can enhance their learning, their confidence, and and go out and become a homeopath that can go join the ranks in the red, different registers and we can have more homeopaths out in the UK that can help us uh, get more patients. And, you know, it's a virtuous circle, as we say, virtuous circle, virtuous circle. It's it's wonderful. And I'm sure these clinics are really, really busy and they must be getting even busier. I know that the pharmacies have been very busy. We have been very busy with people wanting to book appointments. The work of Homeopathy UK is incredible. And for those who wish to support, um, please do share how, how they may do that. Oh, that's that's that would be lovely. I mean, we you can go onto our website, which is homeopathy-uk.org. And there's a donate button. Um, and as you donate, you also get our magazine. I think a lot of people in the UK know the magazine. It's Health and Homeopathy. It's a really lovely magazine. It's great for the public. But I've noticed also when I meet practitioners at different things, they are going, I love the magazine. I, I just, and, it, I, and they know it's more public based, but they do, they do enjoy the magazine because it's a nice, it's a nice read. It's a nice flip through on a Sunday afternoon. And it gives you some books to read. It also gives you cases and and things of that nature. But uh, we welcome any kind of donation. And you can do that easily online. Um, and you can always ask us questions at info at uh, homeopathy-uk.org. And if you have a question about homeopathy or training or anything we do, somebody will respond. Probably me. It'd probably be me. Ooh. But um, <laughs> Or someone else on very, my lovely Very, very lucky indeed. <laughs> Yeah, some it's very it's it's a small group. I mean, I think we do a really fantastic job with a very, very select, shall we say, number of hmm. staff members. Um, and and that is a real. I've been very fortunate with really fantastic people that are involved with the charity, both as trustees and as staff. So we are, there's about six of us in total. If you do like, if they were doing. Or 5.5 in full-time equivalents, but you know, it's, it's about seven people in total um, that work different time. You know, some work on a full contract, full day, and other people do a few days out of the week um, to keep everything ticking over. But as you well know, it takes a lot of determination to do social media uh, mm. postings, to do the website, to make sure you're getting everything you need to get out. Um, so. All of that stuff is all we do that so carefully to make sure we maximize the donations we get. So and we're very, very um, thankful and grateful for those donations and legacies that have kept us going and hopefully will keep us going long, long, long time into the future. I think it's exemplary that with a very limited amount of um, help, so much can be achieved by Homeopathy UK. So um bravo i guess oh thank you <laughs> thank you thank a you. round of applause I, I can give you a virtual round of applause oh yes that, that's i i appreciate any type of applause virtual or otherwise it's uh, i thank you i think i think there's so many people doing some really great work and it's really it's really nice to be able to chat about what we do because a lot of people even though they think they know something about homeopathy uk they often come away after i speak with them or if they go onto the website really getting a better understanding of all the various aspects we do. It is always an interesting day at, at, at Homeopathy UK. I have to say, whether you pick up the phone or you're dealing with some interesting emails that you might get or launching clinics or thinking about the next things. And for us, the next thing is going to be, and you touched upon it earlier, is actually 
we're going to be launching a, a course for the public, which is an enhanced, not just uh, a very short first aid type of course. It's going to be a bit more uh, juiced up or a little bit more beefed up um, and be online, but have live stream sessions. And it should allow people to have home a home kit and to be able to do a lot with that and have a good understanding of homeopathy and hopefully spark an interest for those that really want to do something more with homeopathy or with complementary medicine. We're aiming to highlight some really great teachers across the sector and get interviews with people. And um, I do hope that we get a good uptake on that because that would help also to educate more and more people. Because if you have great experience, you'll keep on doing it and share it with other people. So, Well, I, I wish you uh, well. And uh, before it launches, um, it'd be wonderful <laughs> to actually invite you back so we can talk about that and 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 uh, the importance of that and the availability and talk about the course itself actually That'd oh yeah wonderful. oh yeah that would be great I'd, I'd love to come back and we can talk about all the other exciting things that have happened but uh and and whatever's gone on in the u universe at that point <laughs> who knows what may have happened that, <laughs> that was very profound that was uh... <laughs> Okay, I've, got, uh, I've run out of questions now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to put a stop on anything. But yes, it does. I do. I do sometimes feel maybe it's just my age It's uh, kind of thinking, oh, you know, you really never know what's going to come around the corner the next next day or the next week and how that might impact things. Um, you know, I am absolutely on the same page as you. And I don't know if that's an age thing, because I'm thinking and I'm just I wonder and then I wonder why I'm wondering, you know. <laughs> And and it's just like a, it's not a very nice circle to be in, and I'm thinking, snap out of it, come on, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, exactly. I mean, I think it's good to be theoretical and think these bigger questions. Um, it, those are always they're good to mull about, but generally, I think things will remain constant in certain ways, and we will do what we do and drive some change in a positive direction. Is is generally what we thrive to do and uh, get more people to use homeopathy in the UK, really. And I wish you the best of success in doing that. I think certainly you are steering the ship, as they say, in the in the right direction with your, uh, you know, so you, you have a, a, an amazing background, anyhow, and then all the other committees that you're part of and your, your, uh, your insight and the experience that you have coupled with your love and passion for homeopathy, I think it's only going to go um, upwards um, very, very quickly indeed. Mm, thank you. I, I do I do aim to please and I do hope that it does happen. So thank you very much. It's been an absolute honour to have you on the show. And I really look forward to talking to you again in the near future. And we can talk more about Homeopathy UK and uh what uh, especially that new co the course that you mentioned you know so i hope we can talk about that i think that's really an important addition uh, oh. for anybody wanting to know more thank you thank you it will be a real pleasure and it's been a real pleasure to be here thank you very much for having me i do hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of the homeopathy health show please do support the show by clicking follow on my socials remember the more exposure the podcast receives the better for homeopathy around the world. You can find me on Instagram by searching for at like underscore treats like and on both Facebook and TikTok by searching for at like treats like. So let's promote the voice of homeopathy on radio and podcast around the world together. 
Don't forget to visit me online at www.liketreatslike.co.uk and click on the radio and podcast tab. Here you'll be able to see all the guests that have joined me on the show so far. And of course, you can stream on demand the latest episode to your mobile, tablet or PC. Until next time, stay safe and take care.